Hello, and broadcasting from the beautiful central coast of California, it's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show! And welcome back to the Doctor That Danger Radio Show with your host James and Edward. I'm Edward. What's good? <clears throat> well, there was a story I wanted to tell you to start uh, this bad boy podcast off. So, do y'all remember my Christmas gift from James to me? It was um, the very little listeners that are listening. You beautiful people. It was um, Ubisoft's uh, Rocksmith. Was that the name oh, of the game? Oh shit! Yeah, I totally forgot. I got you that. Yo, okay. you kicking ass that game? Oh, well, well, yo, can you play round and round yet? If I can, are you gonna want one? Are you gonna want to cover it with me on the guitar though? Not like <laughs> actually like go through and try to record, but like if we just can jam for shits it, and giggles. But if we can jam it, <laughs> that would, would be pretty dope. We, not we, we lie. just we just meet up before a good friend Dylan shows up, and then he just walks in, and we're just like, oh hey Dylan, good job, bam, bam. But no, okay, so I took the game out. Um, I didn't play it immediately that night just because, you know, I got home, there was family things going on, then it was Christmas and stuff. And late. <clears throat> it was late. <clears throat> but eventually, a few days ago, I was like, okay, got some time, I'm going to bust that thing out of the car, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to start working six days straight because of work shit, you know, so I want to take this time and enjoy myself. I pulled the game out, I let it install, I grabbed the guitar, you know, cor- I untouched the guitar in a little bit. And um, I was like, oh, man, it's finally done. Okay, what to play? Mm, oh, it's available without unlocking. It's sweet. I'm going to play Avenged Sevenfold's Backcountry on the easiest difficulty because I like Avenged Sevenfold. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm stoked. I'm doing the thing where you're tuning up for. I'm like, yeah, this one's going to be for you, Jimmy, as in the rev. And so the so it starts. I strum. And then, and then, no, it doesn't start. I'm about to, I'm about to start. And then. I turn the knob to the thick string. You broke your string. Um, the strings may or may not have been over a year old. Yeah, that happens. So, and because of my length, and because I've been working every day for a while, um, and Ed's closed, uh, the Central Coast Music where I shop is closed on Sundays. I haven't been able to get new strings forever. Yeah, you can go to friggin' uh, Central Coast Electronics or Radio Shack. That place has strings. But I'd rather support Ed. Yeah, we all want to support <laughs> Ed. But there's times but yeah, so where I, I ha- need drumsticks. But yes, I or have you not- need guitar cables or strings, and Ed's not open. So I have- and in like emergency <laughs> times, you have to just accept you gotta go to Coast Electronics. Or you gotta go to the other music shop that isn't as cool as that. So I have not been able to play the video game. But you've stared at it. I've stared at it, and let me tell you, when I, when that string broke, I think I got smaller strings here. Uh, you could gr- if you remind me, I'll gri- let you grip it once okay. you bounce out. And and listen, I when that string broke, 
I didn't get mad. I didn't even get disappointed. I just started to laugh. I laughed and laughed, and I'm just like, <laughs> of course that happened. Of course that happened. So I had a laugh about it, um, took a shit, and then I'm just like, I'm gonna fuck this. I'm just gonna play Bloodborne. <sighs> well, till we which is not as fun because Bloodborne is evil because it's made by the Dark Souls guys, and play and Brocksmith is playing guitar, which is always fun. So. Yeah, good Christmas gift. It doesn't work. Not because of anything you did, but because I haven't didn't change my strings. No, no, so. no. You know what's funny? I also got someone else a gift that doesn't really work either for them. Oh, what'd you get? Him? I got the boy, my singer for my death metal band, Oscar. Oscar. I want a belt. A flex. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got him a flexi disc. Ooh. Of the Napalm Death Sob Split. But the thing with the flexi disc is, he's got too nice of a friggin' turntable to play that thing. Where it's got a smart needle and stuff, uh -huh. so literally it refuses to play it. You need like a shitty older friggin' turntable that just holds the needle down straight. So Oscar hasn't been able to play that. And when he told me that, it's like you can't listen to it. It's like oh bummer. But that's a you problem. <laughs> you can figure that one out. <laughs> I got you that gift, and it's dope as fuck. But. You can go figure out and listen to it, shit. You know, you know what the other funny thing is. Just speaking of music, is that um, so so obvious? So I like you know Metallica and stuff. And the funny thing is about Metallica. I think we like sometimes hard rock <laughs> or maybe that heavy metal. I don't know. So the funny. It's not th like we haven't talked about it or review a fucking plastic faced weirdo. So the that funny jams hard rock. So the fu so the funny thing to me about that is that. Is that as I get older, I just find more and more ways to like, I don't know, just find Metallica to be relatable. And I, I don't know, there, there was there was two specific things um, where where one of them was like, you know, because I have the extended special edition versions they released for their four albums on my Spotify playlist with all the demos and stuff. And, I, and I'm just looking at it and I'm just like, fuck, most of these demos are just James and Lars. And I'm just like, oh man, you know, it's just, it just reminds because that, because that's how you know that's how you do your bands a lot. It's just you and the guitar. You're the drummer, you know, guitar player. Just you know, drummer, and it's the same thing. The drummer's being riff police <laughs> while the while the guitarist is trying to come up with something. So it's just it's things like that. But there was another one. I was trying to pull up the audio here. Um, let me let me let me check something just because um, there there's this um. There's this live footage or this live audio of this of this bit. I'm trying to f make sure it's the right one. Here, hold on. Okay. All right. This song right here, we want everyone fucking screaming along with us on this one. Uh, no, it's I not know the right we one. got some loud and fucking crazy motherfuckers here. Some loud and crazy motherfuckers here. It's really quick, it's so weird to hear James Young because he's young but then it's really we awkward to hear him drunk because you know he went back for he went back to uh rehab a few years ago um i think it's this one no this one okay oh so there like, you go so, so like listen just just give it a minute okay it's coming up listen Right here. You hear that? You hear that? Lars totally dropped a stick right there and just kept playing. I'm like, 
Bro, that happens to us all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck. You don't know how, like, fucking bad I'll just sit there and, like, sticks will just get out of my fucking hand. But, like, I don't stop playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same I'll thing. just make it work. Yeah, I heard that. And I was just like, bro, we've done that, too. <laughs> it fucking happens. Metallica relatable people. Yeah. But, all right. Time to go on to a fucking something that isn't relatable. <laughs> Listeners, we're here today to yes. review... To you guys, yes, a B, another B movie, a classic. I think it's this considered. time, but it's like a C to D level fucking movie. <laughs> it's pretty low. I don't know how I found it, but I did. We're here to review Samurai Cop. Samurai fucking cop. So I don't know how much research you went into this film. I can tell you this: the guy that made the movie. Oh yeah, it's the fucking wackiest thing. So this dude, I didn't do, I didn't like do super research, but what I can tell you is this dude, you've heard of Ed Wood. This guy's a lot like Ed Wood. He just did low budget C stuff. But this is like his one, this, his, his only movie. Yes. I actually know. He was like a, fu- he was a freaking like Iranian director to that yes. movies in Iran. But he wanted to make a fucking lethal weapon ripoff film. Yes. An American like film. And this was a fucking crazy, like, it's crazy, because, like, friggin' me go through research, and by research, listening to some interviews and reading some interviews and stuff, all this shit was mostly one take. There were no nighttime scenes, because there was was no prop, because he did not have the money to get artificial lighting, so everything was done in the day, and, like, yeah. Most and of, he most wrote of the movie, all the dialogue. Most what of the you movie, think is what American people talk like. Most of the movie was shot without a boom mic, so everyone had to overdub their lines. Oh God, that's right. Oh, and also the main guy—I forget the actor who played his name. I need to look it up. The main guy who played our hero, Joe Samurai, for over so. When this, so they were filming the movie. They thought they were. He thought they were done because, and then, and then there was like a three month or whatever gap. So he'd cut his hair for another role. So the guy called him back. Is like, hey, we just need to do some reshoots. Um, would you want to wear this wig? No, and, he shows up. Yeah, he shows up. And the guy's up. like, what'd you do? Why'd you cut your fucking hair? And it's like, <laughs> I thought we were done filming. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Oh, this wig works. Let's just use that. Now, the guy that played Joe Samurai was, I think his last name's actually Miller, but Joe Samurai. Matt. Matthew. Hannon or some shit. It's a weird name. But yeah, so but so he's like, oh, well, it's just some reshoots. It'll be cool. But no, they still had to film half the fucking movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, dude, what the fuck? Because, like, literally they filmed some stuff. The guy lost the budget, so then he freaking went and then, like, ceased filming. But then when he got whatever, he brought him back in. But as I said, he, like, cut his hair. And then freaking they had, like, half the movies. Like, you see an awkward freaking big poofy wig. Yes. Now, you see, the now the interesting thing about, about this movie is that one of the bad guys is played by something of a B-movie icon named Robert Zadar. Robert Zadar. He's known, apparently, for a movie called Maniac Cop, the first one of which stars Bruce fucking Campbell. Yeah, and I, I went and saw that, and I was like, fuck. And I'm Not like, gonna lie, I'd be down to watch that. <laughs> Dude, I was talking to, like, my co-workers. And Robert one of my co- Zadar. I was, Zadar, yeah. D apostrophe Zadar. Well, that's his stage name. He has it's a different sta- name. Yeah, I just but saw But you it. could recognize him. Because he has a big fucking chin. He's got a really like, big chin. Like, it's a chin. big, round chin. Like, you see it <laughs> once, and you don't forget it. I think his biggest movie was fucking Tango and Cash. He was in that movie, yes. 
And like, yeah, I think he was the big chin fucking goon. But in any movie he's in, he's most likely the big chin fucking goon. Okay, to goon. be fair, it's not too off. Robert Zadar. His name is Robert Zadarsky. That's his last name, Zadarsky. Robert James Zadarsky. I thought I had a different fucking name. No, right there, bro. Right. Wiki. So we got Robert Zadar, which his name is Robert James Zadarsky. Yeah. But obviously, Robert Zadar. Zadar. It's a way fucking sicker name. Dude, that's a sick name. But yeah, no. Oh, and also, because there's a few times in this movie where I wrote in my notes about how bad some of the overdubbing is for some of the minor cast, right? But then I found out it's just the director putting on funny voices, basically. And I'm like, I wonder why it sounded fucking bad. Here's the thing. The movie on production, how it's technically done and everything is amateurish and fucking horrible. It's still better than... Like, they literally tried to be... Serious with this, like this guy, actor really, like not actor, director trying yes. to make this serious, but it just turned <clears> out horrible. But here's the thing about this movie it is like comedy gold. Oh, dude, everything it's so funny, it hits so good, it hits like, like a it parody, had, like it feels like it's just a lethal weapon parody. But like, the, obviously, the guy <clears> tried to take it seriously, but it's like comedically, it hits so <laughs> good, it's like, fuck. yeah, dude. It's like hilarious. It's like, no, I send you that Key and Peele fucking skit, <laughs> which it seems like it's basically the same influence. And that still was like, that wasn't fucking as awkward as this movie where it's just, it's so funny. It's literally like this room, like literally this movie is the basically the room of action movies. It's funny you mention that because Tommy Wiseau is in the sequel. Yeah, and we're going to watch that next. Oh, fuck. Well, but, might as well. Fuck it. We watched the well, first I, one. I might was, as well watch the second one. By the way, I was going to tell you, I didn't... Um, I didn't... <clears throat> excuse me. I was talking to one of my coworkers about this. Uh, this was around the time... You told your coworker you watched Samurai Cop? No, no, no. Uh, when we were talking about Last Dragon, and they never heard of that movie, and I was explaining to them... Oh, how did you... Well... Well, Maybe I'm older, because every time I shopped at my local friggin' supermarket, that fucking movie was on display for five bucks in the DVD like thing in the front of the line. That movie's worth at least ten. Dude, that's I think so. I've always seen that fucking cover of that movie, and I'm just like, Last Dragon. Looks like a cool kung fu movie. Well, I, I described it to them literally like this. I was just like, hey... You heard of Bruce Lee? They're like, yeah, well, then the character in this movie is named Bruce Leroy. Yeah, I like him a little bit, but he is called that. It's like, he his name's Bruce Leroy. And they're like, uh-huh. And I said, and then, and I told them, I said, the villain is a big, scary black man named Show Nuff. And that was enough. But I told him, I said, what I want to do is, I told him, I said, after we were done with the Brad Michael shit, I'm like, I slowly want to turn our podcast into talking about B movies and like black exploitation films like Last Dragon. Because What, you yes, wanna watch Blackula next? I, <laughs> there's one I wanna watch. Holy shit, look at that peak. Hey dude, I did the Blackula <laughs> freaking charging scream. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you, there, there's a movie I wanna watch really bad. Just because of the name, it's called Boss N-Word, like Hard R. That's the name of the movie. There's one, I think it's called like Cry for Freedom or whatever. I forget the name, but it stars an albino black man. But it's a white guy, like an European white guy with facial features and stuff, playing a black guy in the slave times. Okay. But he's an albino black man. But he's 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 a white actor 
acting as a slave <laughs> in this movie. I gotta find I'll look up the name of that movie. Hey, welcome to Joe Biggs Last Drive-In. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Joe Biggs Last Drive-In podcast. But we'll talk... Uh, Here's our illustrious <laughs> male lady for the fan... With <laughs> our fan mail. male lady? Yeah, no, he has the big boob male oh, lady. Oh, right, 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 right. Well, I'm sorry, when you said male lady, I thought you meant like a male no, lady. No, I'm talking about a freaking chick with... Sick boobs that like <laughs> reads off fan mail for Joe Joe Biggs. Is Joe Riggs or Joe Biggs? I can't remember. I thought it was Riggs. Joe well, Riggs. Well, you know what's funny? When like I saw an interview, I saw a cover for Samurai Cop and Joe was it Riggs or Biggs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He literally said this is basically a cult basically a soon to come cult classic action comedy of friggin' like you know, just bad like Freaking bad acting, explosions, and a lot of like freaking like skin, and some really bad editing. Oh, but dude, that editing makes it hilarious though. <laughs> Seriously, you can't I make made, a movie I, as I like some a parody funny like that. I made some specific notes in here because 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 my thing is like I almost wasn't able to watch the movie because I was so busy this week. I was so tired. Yeah, I, started I thought I was bit no. When I first put on the film, just to kind of throw it on, just to find it and see if it like the stream works. I was not. I well, was like, I couldn't get the fucking link you got me to work. So I had. So it took me like an hour. I had to torrent the fucking thing. Well, the the, link, bl the Blu-ray rip, which I don't know if it actually was ever released. On well, the Blu-ray. Blu well, the link I shared you, the freaking Tubi TV, was like freaking like. No, it was I'm sure would have. I'm sure would have watched. On, I worked on my phone. Oh, you but did I it on your phone. See, I did it on my phone and it crashed. No, I no, did it on my no, laptop. And no, that's what I was saying. I'm, I assumed it would work on the phone, but I wanted to do it on the computer so I could have that take notes. But it said, the video player isn't working right. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, turn off ad block for us. So I did. It didn't work. This is still not on? working. Why do you need to do it for this other thing too? I'm like, okay. And um and I refreshed that page sixty-nine times. It still never worked. Um and this is last night. I'm like, but what the fuck? James isn't gonna want to reschedule because we got a jam and stuff. What am I gonna do? And then I turned to good old piracy. It took a while to download. It only, it only took like 30 minutes. Oh, now you have that. Now you can actually go keep that I can that watch move. Samurai Cop whenever I want. Are you going at your workplace telling people about what Samurai Cop's like? No. Because here's the thing. Would you rather watch The Room? No, bro. I I Would you rather watch The Room or Samurai Cop? Listen, The Room is a weird thing with me. But I, I judge my movies based on this. A, a a famous so bad it's good film from like the 60s or 50s is called Manos the Hands of Fate. I hate that fucking movie. I know it's in the so bad it's good crowd, but I think it's genuinely horrible. I think the room is terrible, but and I but I but I also agree it's so bad it's good, but I feel like it's also overhyped in some ways basically because it's so mainstream. I mean, I'm not like our old friend Nate, who used to get pissed. He legitimately There's hates the room. There's a lot of people that are like, the room he's like, is so... Tommy so is legitimate... This is what he used to say. He's a legitimately horrible writer, director, actor, and, he, and that fucking piece of shit made him famous. Manos in the Hands of Fates is my least, is my most hated movie of all time. So that's what I judge my movies by. Samurai Cop is way better than that. So it's not a horrible movie. I don't know. I can only do... Maybe I'm just a fuddy-duddy. 
which is boomer talk for maybe I'm just Here's I got too much to stick room. up my ass, but like I can only do the so bad it's good thing for so long. Like the reason why I like Last Dragon is because yeah, there's some bad stuff, but the bad outweighs the good. There was a couple times during Samurai Cop where I'm like, okay, some of the charms wearing off a little bit. Really, it was pretty a little. Bit. It was pretty consistent with me the whole entire time. Here's the thing: I feel like the room. I can get exhausted with. Yeah, it's yeah. Fuck- it's the whole fucking film. No, the whole film is a freaking like romance drama thing. <laughs> and it's bad, it's funny because they're trying to be like a serious romance thing. Yes. This here is trying to be a cheesy 80s movie, but it turns into a parody of a cheesy 80s movie. I can't tell. Sometimes, sometimes Samurai Cop seems so tongue in cheek. But sometimes it also feels like it's taking itself absolutely seriously. I can't tell. But that's what makes it so funny to like me. Like, the room took itself 100% seriously. Yes. It just had bad like, acting. But, like, mostly. Samurai Cop, halfway through, the staff just quit and just <laughs> gave zero fucks. Yes. And the director was just fucking feel like he was set that he had something sick here. But it's just like... No, <laughs> but all right. This is where we. This is where you need to watch. Uh, watch the cinema snob. He he's from back in the days like Todd in the Shadows. They used to be on the same website with Nostalgia Critic and stuff. Cinema snob basically does what Nostalgia Critic does, but with old B piece of shit movies like this. I want to say I think I saw him review this movie once, but I can't remember. You can find reviews of this movie. I just said it like randomly became like a freaking like. It just became like a cult classic. It got a fucking sequel three years ago. What the fuck? Yeah, I found that. I was like, what? Dude, I literally like saw like some fucking out of the algorithm. I saw like some clips for this. I'm like... I think it's always a mixed thing, though, when a movie like Samurai Cop gets a sequel. Because all the stuff that we like about the original, most of that was unintentional. When you get it, it's like with Sharknado. After the first one, they they heard, they I mean, they knew the first one was ridiculous. But after that one, they kept making it more and more ridiculous and basically parody-like. So, I have to imagine that the Samurai Cop sequel is more of the same. Where it's like, where it's like oh... We were trying to be so serious, but now we're just going to be balls to the walls, ridiculous on purpose. You we'll know see. what I mean? We'll see. I know for sure. Well, we'll get there when I we watch really that. I would really rather watch Samurai Cop 2 than Brett Michaels Season 3. Well, we're going to watch Samurai Cop 2. Fuck yeah. So whatever. Basically, the movie starts off with, with some like, sexy synth. The, the soundtrack was so good. Hey, do you like Sega Genesis music? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what you got. With some basic, with some freaking stock like text for the freaking credits. Yeah, nothing more. To Microsoft it. Word. So yeah, it literally it just opens up with a shot of two of our anta- our antagonists. I know one of them's named o- Okamura, and then Rob the Czar's character, which I'd never caught his name, but it's not as cool. Yeah, as I never Robert Desire. I, I thought he, I thought he was Okamura. No, Akamura was the fucking short, bald dude. That guy was in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I, I thought he looked familiar. And I'm like, all the, the weapons. And guy? here's the funny thing. All the weapons in this movie was from his own personal collection. Yeah, I read that too. Everyone just showed up wearing like their regular stuff because he didn't have money for like costumes and props. And yeah, he just he just brought all the weapons. <laughs> well, basically, it starts with fucking Robert Desar and Akamura talking name. about wanting to merge the gangs because they don't want to like fight the Chinese and all the other gangs. Yeah, they feel like that like together they can like create a bunch of business. But then it's like, well, that's the boss's decision, and the boss appears with a mullet and stash and all, and he just says this like, asks, like, so what do you? F- what's your decision? What do you want to do? Do you want to merge the gangs? Like, no, 
I want them all to die. Yeah. He's like, as Al Capone once said, there is not enough money in the world to be made for all of us. And I'm just like, in 30 seconds, this movie opens up. No, I thought that was the opposite where it's like an Al Capone like I forgot quote. what he said, yeah. An Al Capone quote. It's like, there's enough money for all of us to be that's made. That's right, that's right, yeah, But yeah. then he's like, no, he wants to. And then it's like, we get a shot of like the Katana gang with Robert Bazaar. <sighs> The Katana Gang. Yeah. Well, actually, no, yeah. So, basically, they're walking this random alley, and they meet up with the Chinese gang, and basically, they ask, like, so, do you want to join? And it's like, no. <laughs> and they're like, okay, fuck you. Then they kill everybody. I yeah, like, make- it was hilarious. <laughs> you just like, Robert Cesar. We will never fly under Fujiyama's flag, which, by the way, you forgot we'll to mention. We will never fly on Fujiyama's flag. We saw flag. Fujiyama in the last scene. Yeah, that's the boss. He looks... I think you're going to look like that in 40 years. He was an Asian guy, powerful mullet, a porn star lip hair, it's basically, mustache. Yo, just basically have him do the fusion dance with either Joe Samurai or Robert <laughs> Desar, and that <laughs> might turn out like me. But yeah, so but yeah, so so the other Asian gangs where they're like, we'll never fly under Fujiyama's flag. We'll never fly on Fujiyama's flag. And then he's going to like a parking lot brawl. I'm not going to go into every bit about the choreography, but I want to make special mention it's of this one. It's fucking hilarious. I, I, I want to make mention of one thing. They're like shittily punching and kicking each other. There's this shot of this dude who his guy's getting beat up, his teammate. He pulls out a gun, shoots the other guy. He takes so long. I timed it. There's a two. It, it holds on this dude for two seconds, and he, he James can see me. You all can't, but the dude just like gingerly reaches over like one one thousand two one thousand, and then, and then kills the guy. I'm like, what the fuck? You couldn't at least speed that up. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's just so awkward and stilted. Like, like I feel like I feel like they had I, this brawl. <laughs> yeah, no, the brawl was bad, but fucking yeah. So whatever. This is when the I Katana knew we, gang killed the Chinese gang. I, this was when I knew that we made the right choice watching this movie. Well, now we meet our protagonist, Joe Samurai. Yes. And he, as he flew in from San Diego. Long, brown, greasy hair. Kind of looks like a cross between our friend Dylan. And I didn't say this till when the movie's almost over, because I put it together in my head. But this dude basically just looks like Disney's Tarzan in live action. Yeah. That giant chin, the long hair. So, Tarzan of Japan. But he wears the Canadian tuxedo of denim on denim <laughs> and a leather jacket. That's right. And then basically, yeah, him and his like friggin' for- and his friend Frank Washington, black 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 officer Franklin. Fra- yeah. Was that his last name? Franklin Washington. Yeah, that was his last name. Yeah. So whatever. They basically are. It's like so. What is it? So Joe, they see a bring blue van. It's coke. Yeah. It is cocaine. Yeah. This is gonna be a serious bus. So we see a rad blue van, and basically that they van just, looked awesome. And they basically stake out outside of a house to go then tail the van because the van was gonna go meet up and get drugs. So keep in mind. So we get an awkward helicopter landing. Oh my god. Okay. So funny, funny thing about this helicopter. I think this is gonna blow your mind. Oh. That helicopter was not actually in the air. Oh, it wasn't now. <laughs> no, it's like really obvious. They have this blonde gal. Her character's name is Peggy. Yep. She's sitting in the seat. They're basically just, they're just like, Peggy, where are you? And then it cuts to like, her. We're landing. Yeah, she's like, I'm about to land. And then, and then he's like, no, don't land. 
and she doesn't land. And it's like, and no, well, sorry, we have to re... <laughs> like, no, we, we have to land. And oh. then we get these, like, weird shots of, like, from the helicopter, just getting footage from above the streets of L.A., like the highway, the neighborhood and stuff, which is, I get it, it's supposed to be her flying, but, like, I... I don't know if that's stock footage or if he just blew all the money on hiring a helicopter to do that, but, like... I'm just going to presume he found some stock footage, whatever. So, basically, Joe Samurai and Frank go tail the van to some docks, and basically the van meets up with a boat, and basically there's a drug exchange, and then Joe Joe and Frank then ensue a chase. Like, they try to block off the entrance and try to, like, friggin', like, close off the van and try to shoot at it, but the van just somehow gets out. And then we get a hilarious, like, friggin' chase scene with, like, weird speed-up editing. I'm going to be honest driving like normally but you yes. just but to make it seem like it's going by fast it just sped up the film i'm gonna be honest two quick things the first one being i tried to pay attention to this chasing but i couldn't because i was too busy looking at the tv and being like oh yeah i've driven through there before i've driven through there before didn't the, some of the place they were looking at look like where they had the old pwg place yeah but yeah and the second thing was you missed a funny line where they're tailing the van where peggy's like you know, it's supposed to be above the highway or see all the freeway shit. She's like, I see the van. I'm like, bitch, no, you don't. But the funny line is, for some reason, she's just like, she's just like, keep it up, Joe. He says, I'll keep it up. You keep it warm. She says, it's warm and ready. And then he like turns. He doesn't turn to the camera, but then in the car, he like winks. Yep. I'm like, is he winking to Franklin? Is he winking to the director? Because he didn't wink to the camera. And then I get pissed because I'm like, did you think that was clever? Did Brett Michaels pen the script to this? That is something he would say. Well, (laughs) all right. So yeah, chase Chase scene. scene. The chase scene basically. So when I was talking about the funny like overdub thing earlier, case in point. In the van, there's this black dude, pops open the gun, pulls out a shotgun, and he shoots at them. Franklin kills the guy, but then as he falls out of the van, you know, the, sh- the shitty voice acting is going, or whatever. But then uh, I uh, swear, uh, but then I swear to Jesus, as he falls out of the van, he goes, ouchie, and then he hits the ground. I swear that motherfucker said ouchie. Yep. But yeah, the chase. And said, then Joe accidentally runs him over. Yeah. <laughs> But they continue on Runs anyway. Him over. Yeah, then they kill the other guy, and then the chase ends with uh, Joe. Because they go off road, and yeah. basically the chase ends when the van slowly crashes into a little hill because, and it explodes. Oh, no, it's, oh, it's better than that because Joe shoots the guy in the neck, and then the van hits the side of some rock, but then it cuts to it hitting it again, and but then exploding. Like, was the first one a blooper? No, that's what happened. It went, then it cut. That's what happened. It was, and then the fucking guy who was driving the van gets out of the van and he's like on fire. And then they like—he's a totally different dude that was actually driving the van. Yes, he's a stunt man that's on fire. And then they put him out the fire. But I'm thinking, but but Joe, but Joe and them, but but Peggy's like Joe, we gotta celebrate. And he looks at the helicopter. He's like. I'll see you back at your place. But I'm th- I'm like, how was he able to communicate to a helicopter without any like telephone or radio? Not even. How did he hear that? <laughs> not even. From, that. like up in the air, it's like. Not so- even that. I'm just like, the van's destroyed. The evidence is destroyed. Two witnesses are dead. 
or no, two perpetrators are dead. One guy's got a hole in his throat and was set on fire. I'm like, this kind of feels like a failure, but fuck that because you know because because after he goes, I'll see you back at your place. Coitus. So it cuts to them. Totally having sex, you guys. They totally bone. They wait. Did I say bone or bang? Yeah, they totally banged you guys. Not really. It's just a lot of just long shots of Peggy in her like underwear and like Joe in her in his banana hammock. I mean, and just a lot of just close up shots of Peggy's boobs. Is that what that's called? I yeah. thought that was a speedo. Speedo, banana hammock, whatever. Banana hammock sounds like the name of a porno. Well, this basically <laughs> right where we're here is seeing as a softcore this porno. This is pretty softcore. Now, listen, they're both nice-looking people. You know, she's like your hot blonde at the t- uh, you know for the time. You know, and fucking he's a he's a hairy man's man. But the the sex choreography was a little awkward because they're trying to make it all like romantic and stuff with all these like tender shelf movements and shit. It, but and like like there's that one thing where like he like reaches his hand up to like gently caress her face, and but then she looks like she like goes to suck on his fingers but doesn't. I'm like. I don't know. My penis was not vibing with this. Whatever. So, considering long, <laughs> because we're 30 fucking minutes into this review, we're going to be here all night. Unless you want to be here for two hours. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> with well, this fucking film. So, now we're ba- now we're at the Katana Gang lair, and basically we're sitting there as, like, friggin', I think Robert Dazar is explaining. Yeah. So, they call him Samurai. And it's like, <gasps> he was taught... <laughs> I wrote this down. He was taught in the Masters he was, he of was Japan. Taught, he was taught. Wait, was that Robert Azar with his nice soft voice? Yes. Like, yes. They call he, him Samurai. They says he was taught he, by the Masters. He in speaks. J- he's in fluent Japan. in. He was fluent in Japanese he's and was trained by the Masters of Japan. And apparently, he was sent from his police precinct in San Diego down to Los Angeles specifically to fight Katana. Yep. Apparently. So the Asian dude, sorry. So the Asian, so Fujiyama wants Dazar to kill the guy who was shot in the throat and burnt because, um, because no of one. the code of silence. Code of silence. No one is left alive. He says, "Quote." I want you to go yeah. grab his head and bring it onto, bring it in, le- put it on top of my piano. And then Dazar straight up says, "Who I wrote here kind of looks like Gerard from The Completionist." Says. I will. I will cut off his head and place it on your piano. That's exactly how he says it. Yep. Too. It's great. So now at the horny police station, Joe's trying to have a <laughs> Joe's trying to have a cool guy conversation. He has some stuff. old school locker room talk, basically in I'm, front of Peggy. In who front he of Peggy. Just, so yeah, so she's like the most beautiful lady I've ever like had sex with. It's like what? It's like oh, sorry, I meant sorry. The second most beautiful lady I've yeah, yeah. sex with. Either stuff. you're my number one. I'm you know, like, what the fuck? And then basically, yeah, they get then they go to the hospital to go see the burnt man. And basically, yes. it's like, oh, um, because the scene ends with the chief wanting to see them after Joe makes a pass at another lady because I guess he fucked the whole office. We don't actually see the chief yell at him. They're just they just go to see the chief and then. They're at the hospital. Yeah, they're at the hospital. Some geeks outside guarding the burnt guy. Steve, I think. Yeah, whatever. Steve. Hey, Steve. 
How's it going? So, and then basically they go in, and there's a nurse working on the burnt guy, and I got most of this dialogue here. But I'm so glad you did, because this was really awkward. I guess this is one of the famous scenes from the movie, the horny nurse. So he's just sitting there, it's like, how is he? Do you think he'll be able to answer any, answer a few questions? No way. His lips are burned. So what? He'll never be able to talk again? Oh, he'll talk again, but you have to give him a couple weeks. Next time, guys, catch him in one piece. And then basically here, let me get the proper one where it's like, nurses then it's like, do you like what you see? I love what I see. <laughs> do you like to touch what you see? Yes. Yes, I would. Would you like to go out with me? Uh, yes, I would. Would you like to fuck me? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> well then, let's see what you got. Investigates his bulge. Doesn't interest me. Nothing there. <laughs> Nothing there. Just exactly what would interest you. Something like the size of a jumbo jet? <laughs> have you been circumcised? Yeah, I have. Why? Your doctor must have cut a large portion off. No, um... He was... He was a good doctor. Good doctors makes, make, make mistakes, too. That's why they have insurance. Getting closer to her. Hey, don't worry. I got enough. It's big. I want bigger. Nurse walks away. <laughs> that shit was so awkward. She. It took them. That scene lasted like almost. It was like forty solid seconds, just to end with her saying he got a small dick. Joe Samurai, you got a small dick. It's the size of this walnut, except way smaller. Oh no, we've seen him in his banana hammock. I uh, think he, he was, was rocking a D. He was that wasn't the banana. That was a plantain. A plantain. <laughs> oh no, not big enough for her. She needs a jumbo sized jet. Do plantains taste like bananas? No, they taste weird. Okay, I've never no, no. had one. I don't know. There's a Peruvian restaurant. You can go munch there. Ooh. Ooh. So Joe meets with some other cops that basically tell him to go guard the friggin' burnt dude. And basically the red heavy that we met earlier, who I also think is Rob Dazar's <laughs> friggin' love interest. Basically, yes. she is able to cart, cart giant Robert Dazar into the hospital, <sighs> into this room, <sighs> and then Robert Dazar pops car, out. Yeah. Where yeah, Robert Dazar pops out with a freaking with a freaking katana or Japanese sword, and basically he slices off the head of the burnt dude, and like basically red the red heavy redhead heavy basically casually wipes the blood away, and then they're off to make their escape, which consists of two Mexican dudes that they totally dubbed over, trying to catch him, but then they sneak away, then two security guards try to stop them with you know and they all say the same thing they go hey wait a minute hey wait a minute oh no it's not even that hey wait a minute it's not even like hey wait a minute it's like hey wait a minute Hey, wait a minute. And the voices totally don't hey, fit the hey, people. Wait a minute. By the way, I wrote here, he kicks two security guards in the dick. Did you notice watching those fight scenes? It looked like a lot of dicks were getting kicked. Yep. Like the way their foots were angled. I know, it's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, then they get away. And then we're at the police station. The chief yells at good guy Samurai Joe and black officer Frank. Because the perp's dead. And a, did I miss this part? He said an officer lost a hand. I guess an officer lost a hand. 
And Rob the czar might have fucking just whipped that much ass. So to, so to, um, so to to paraphrase through the scene, he basically says, "Hey Joe, fuck you! All you cause is bloodshed and mayhem." Oh, that's a good song title. It's causing bloodshed and, Frank, and, and Frank, all this stuff, and it's getting in my cut into my job. Why are you even here? And Frank, You've been here a week, and it's just causing blood and bloodshed and mayhem. And then, and then Joe's like, "Hey." I've been here a week, <laughs> but yeah, then Frank has to calm him down because you know because the chief wants to just ship him back to San Diego, and then I don't know. The chief then eventually says he feels like he has a big club shoved up his ass, and then he's like, "Fine, you can stay, get out of here." But then Franklin pulls a Looney Tunes and like kisses him on the forehead. Then they leave, and he like gets up and like points at them as he's yelling. He's like, "You motherfuckers!" No, no, it's like you motherfuckers. But then he like holds it. And then suspects Slowly them. sits back down. Then he starts laughing. <laughs> like, did they just forget to turn the camera off? Whatever. So basically, Whatever. Joe Joe's with, like, this older cop, and he basically tells him, hey, you should go to the Blue Lagoon restaurant. I think Fujiyama's there. Yeah, he gets a hot there. tip. Yeah, hot tip at Fujiyama. So basically, Fujiyama and Peeps are dining at this restaurant, and Joe Samurai appears, and basically, like, freaking Joe pops up to disrupt their thing. Oh Robert Dazar and Joe Samurai have a very feisty stare down because Robert Dazar kicks up. The lawyer tells them, like, hey, you should get, it's like, tells them to leave and stuff. Oh, can I, oh, can I? Because I transcribed this dialogue. Oh, you transcribed this yeah, one? Yeah. All right. I- so, so just to set up the thing, he, him and Frank just walk up right to the fucking table. And then they're like, are you Fujiwara? He's like, yeah, are you are Fuji you? Miwamara? Yeah, he's like, no, no, that's right. He's like, are you Fuji, Fujiyama? Now you gotta remember when he did this dialogue, he was had a face of pure disgust. Yes. So you must get in that zone of disgust. It's like, are you Fuji? But you Fujiyama? Might, listeners, you might not notice, <laughs> but one of us has had actor training. Okay. Oh, and it's not me, it's Edward. So <laughs> he's like, Are you Fuji Fujiyama? And he's like, Yes, who are you? And he goes, I'm Yes, a, who are you? And he goes, and he goes, I'm a cop. And then Oh and, then, and then Dazar stands up, and then when he stands up, the soundtrack, he stands dun, up dun. and it goes like, then it goes away. And then he st- and then and then he does it again because he's like, because <clears throat> then Joe just calls the gang shit. But then the best part, because. Again, the lawyer is trying to be like, hey, we'll sue. You don't have anything on my client. Joe and Frank are like, get fucked. But then... You got nothing. But then Joe Samurai says... Go on, get that face of disgust. (sighs) Now I'm telling these sons of bitches that we respect the Japanese of this country who are honest businessmen. And yeah... This is the land of opportunity for legitimate businesses, not death merchants who distribute drugs to our children through schools and on the streets. Now I'm telling these motherfuckers that if they continue killing our children to make their precious millions that they deposit in their secret Swiss bank accounts, counselor... Before that lawsuit even gets off the court clerk's desk, I'll have their stinking bodies in a garbage bag and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. Got it? (laughs) The director wrote that? Yep. And he thought that that... He must have thought that was so 
cool. Wait, did you not get the last bit of that? After the fertilizer thing? Yeah. Um, what do you say after that? Oh, he literally, this is like my favorite line. Cause after basically he says friggin' like, I'll have your stinking bodies in the garbage bags and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. Got it. Now then, what is a be beautiful all American oh, woman God, that's right. hanging out with a geek like that? <laughs> that's right. With a geek like that. <laughs> he yeah, he does, he does his whole, he does his whole speech. And he's like, all right, what's a beautiful all American woman hanging out with a, a geek, geek like that? I'm just like, <laughs> he said our word. He said our favorite word. But yeah, dude, that, that speech was incredible. Oscar worthy. Oscar worthy. So after that happens, then they bounce, right? They bounce, but then they talk to a Cuban waiter. Yeah. And then he basically asked regarding Jennifer, the like all American woman, and basically he basically like he asked, so what's up with her? And it's like, her her mother owns the place. Like he's a very, very unnecessary flamboyant Cuban waiter. This is exactly how he sounded in the movie, by the way. Where's her father? Points to his head, imitating a gun. Bang! <laughs> Killed? <laughs> Who shot him? He! Who? Him! Who's him? Himself! Oh, he committed suicide. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> why, did they, why didn't they market this as a comedy? <laughs> what are... Because <laughs> the director didn't know better. So whatever, Joe and Frank are about to leave, but Robert Desire appears. With oh, goons. I was hype. I was like, oh shit, it's fucking mini boss time. Yeah. So he so basically he sends goons to attack Joe and Frank in the parking lot, and we get another parking lot brawl. Freeze, you motherfuckers! Uncuff him. Before that, really quick, the the the, the guy said because because uh, Joe asked him his name. And he's like, he said, Alfonso Rafael Federico Sebastian. And that's just my first name. <laughs> well, what's your last name? Uh, oh, well, you don't go, want to go. know that. Yeah, and and then he's, like, he's like, why didn't you let me ask for the last name? Yeah, you can. His last name would have been a book. <laughs> that was funny, actually. So, yeah. Basically, yes. a parking lot brawl. Freeze, you motherfuckers. Yeah, a guy, one of the goons holds up, the gu holds up a gun. And basically, friggin', he tells them to uncuff a guy <clears> that they cuff. And basically... And Joe, motherfucker! Fucking samurai slices his arm off, and then you just hear a hilarious thing where his arm slices, and he's going, ah! <laughs> and he's like, a bad <laughs> shitty prosthetic arm. Yeah, it's the cheapest shit. Like, like you, I feel like you can see his arm just tucked in the sleeve of his shirt. <laughs> yeah, I know it's hilarious. And then basically, yeah, Robert Dazar starts blasting everyone with the everyone with the fucking Dude, Uzi. Dude, it's the funniest fucking thing. This fucking put in the GTA Vice City cheat codes. Yeah, he's got he just pulls out a giant Uzi out of nowhere with unlimited bullets, and he's killing all the goons that failed. <laughs> and then he blows up Joe's, blows up Frank's car with a grenade. And then, and then eventually he bounces out after shooting at them. And then Franklin's just like, shit, they shot at my car. Captain's gonna burn my ass. And then Joe looks at him slyly and says, Yeah, charcoal black. Then Frank just goes, It's already black. And then Joe says, Right on. And then they high five each other down low. Yeah. What? Was that a was 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 that really a yeah brother? You go brother. You get me brother. You my brother moment? Nope. Was, was I don't know. 
So whatever. You Moving forward. <laughs> Back at the police station, we get the captain yelling at the lawyer, tell him to fuck off. Yeah. It's like, well, I'll see you in court. Fuck, fuck you, you, motherfucker! No, he doesn't say that. He goes, he's like, I'll see you in court. And he's like, fuck you, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> fuck you, I'll see you in hell. I love that guy. I, I love the chief. And then, yeah. Basically, the captain screams him away. So then Joe goes back to the Blue Lagoon to meet up with Jennifer. Porno music ensues. And Joe dude, dude, that's what I fucking wrote. There's like sexy saxophones and synth and bass. Yeah, and Joe's trying to mack on Jennifer. And basically, Jennifer does friggin' like exposition on why Mr. Fujiyama, on like, on Mr. Fujiyama, basically him being a backer after her dad passed away. And Joe's trying to, to keep talk, the restaurant. And Joe's trying to like talk her out of working with him. She, he says, he deals in death and destruction. He that's deals good, with death and destruction. That's a good song title, too. Oh, are you just going to rip off like song titles off Samurai Cop? We're going to be a Samurai Cop cover band now. <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll have we'll, we'll have an instrumental called I'll See You in Court. And then we'll have and then we'll have another song and then we'll have the song after that be called I'll Fuck You, I'll See You in Hell. Whatever. So basically, yeah. Basically, she's giving exposition why Fujiyama's the backer of the place and her dad passed away. And then Joe's trying to, like, set up a date and stuff. And was like, well, what about tomorrow? Well, no, I'm busy. How about Saturday? That's, like, our busiest day at the restaurant. Well, what about Sunday? Joe be coming off like a creeper, though. And it's like, well, that's church. And basically, she then, like, Joe just bounces out. Now, then he gets on the techno-looking dance floor, and then Joe starts whipping ass yeah, with these random dudes. guys. Yeah. Like, like, literally, yo, do you remember fucking episode two, Attack of the Clones, where freaking, like, Count Dooku and Anakin Skywalker <laughs> just flashing back and forth? Oh, yeah, in the dark area? Yeah, there's a guy doing that with a bat. Right to attack, but whatever. <laughs> Joe whips ass, and basically... But a guy tries to escape, and he j chases down this geek. Yeah. And then basically, he hunts down the geek, and then tells him, like, Who sent you? Who tried to send you to kill a cop? Yeah, he goes all Batman on his ass. And then he... he I forget the character's name, but he basically says the old, bald Asian guy yeah, wanted the hit. Yeah, Akamura. And then this was funny. He's like... He's like... Um, oh yeah, he, he said, uh, Tell me his address. Cuts to the next scene. How do we know this is his? Is this is the right address? <laughs> They're just at his house. They're just at a house, and they walk around, and they see Akamura. He's about to like, he's about to have sex with a lady and stuff. And basically, it's like, no, we shouldn't interrupt with the man about to fuck. And it's like, it's gonna be his last fuck. <laughs> and they basically, they pop up, <laughs> they bust through the door. Akamura jumps up, he gets his shit, and he runs through the house. There's like a shoot-off or something, I guess. And Akamura, at one point, just jumps through a freaking window. There was a, there was a funny scene before that where, because there's another cop there. I forgot his name, but he, Peggy's there, too. They split oh, yeah, off two, two. Yeah, and she goes, hey, preacher. It's like, yeah. There's no, we got nothing else to do. You want to fuck? And then he goes, let's fuck. And then he looks at her and he goes, shut up. He was like, be gone, thought. Dude, this horny <laughs> police station. Dude, are you sure? This movie at times just felt like a bad porn. 
Yeah, I know. Officers say Joe Samurai more like Officer Nasty. <laughs> Officer Nasty. <laughs> so whatever. Basically, Ackmore jumps out through a window, and Joe basically pursues, but he eventually catches him in the field, and Ackmore challenges him, like, put the gun down. Challenge me hand-to-hand. One-on-one combat. And basically, yeah, they have a freaking brawl. It's pretty hilarious, because like, sped up editing. At one moment, Ackmore accidentally rips off his wig, but put, gently puts it back on. Yeah, that was a blooper. And I wrote down, it's like, yeah, there's a dick punch, then some belt knives, and then freaking Joe's wrist lock of death to win, where he was able to submit Akamura and put cuffs on him. And basically, Akamura tries to grab Frank's gun, but then freaking Joe Samurai blasts him. Yes. So the one man that they could use the pin, the Katana Gang, is now dead, and now they're back at square one. Square one. With more dead bodies. And basically, now we get a shot of Fuji, Fujiyama and Robert Dazar discussing ideas on what to do to deal with the cops and stuff. And at first, like, well, couldn't we just buy the cops and have them get off our asses? It's like, no. It's like, you know what? Let me call some people from New York. <laughs> right, I didn't and do the we... boss voice. Like, let me call someone in New York. <laughs> and then the immediate... I, I don't know if I missed something. Didn't we, like, cut to... Joe in like a welding place and no no he's in like a photo no he's in a photo development area okay yeah because they're developing photos for something with this Walt Disney looking guy and then there's this front desk lady as we get a group of black dudes and a Guido show up and basically at this picture development plant and basically it's like we're here on I didn't catch this dialogue I didn't either so whatever basically hey a freaking like hey a shootout (laughs) ensues in a freaking like picture development plant I just know half the black dudes look like Patrick Ewing and the other half look like Carl Weathers. Yep. So basically, yeah, forget budget actors you just said. Patrick <laughs> Ewing and like Carl oh, Weathers. Well, Patrick Ewing's a basketball player. Yeah, whatever. So budget <laughs> versions of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Basically, shoot out and Joe escapes and there's a hilarious edit because Rise is like working himself down the roof and he like in mid-jump. Then we get a quick cut <laughs> to seeing the red-headed heavy just take it off her shit and basically having sex with Robert Dazar. Oh, yeah. And, like, she full on is, like, full nude. Oh, you even she's see badge. You see, you see pubes. Mm. Don't worry, I don't get turned. I just did that because it was funny. But, yeah, then she gets then she gets in with fucking, with fucking Dazar. And then they totally, they totally bone you guys. In, like, the movie's awkward way of boning, where it's just mostly making out with a naked lady. I, know, I was so far. I'm like, yeah, Zar, winning one for the thick boys. I mean, she's not a bad-looking lady. Oh, yeah, no, dude. The redhead was a total babe and stuff. But then, um... Then Joe Stockley appears at the church that That's Jennifer what I wrote, is. too. He, I, I wrote here, I'm just like... Uh, what was I say? Um, yeah, so we cut to Joe stalking Jessica and puts on he puts on it's some Jennifer. S- Jennifer, sorry, and he puts on some sick pit vipers and stuff, whatever. And then basically Joe takes Jennifer to his rental house, and then basically goons tell Fujiyama about Jennifer and stuff. I was like, because like Fujiyama's like, where is Jennifer? We can't find her. And basically Robert Desire is like orders the goons like to go kill. 
Okay, what happened next, I don't know why, was just genuinely fucked up. They cut to the guy that Peggy offered to fuck earlier. I guess he's with his wife. The older cop, yeah. Yeah. They. I'm going to just summarize here because the scene drags for a while. They well, break here's the in. Thing. Here's the thing, because it kind of goes back and forth. Because, mm-hmm. like, right as, like, freaking Robert Dazar orders goons to go out and kill and stuff, then we get a shot of Joe as he set up a dinner with Jennifer, and, and basically ma- he cracks a bad joke yeah, where, yeah. Like, where he killed the neighbor's chicken for dinner. To impress him, and she just is kind of like. <laughs> I don't know if this is the part. Where it's like, how'd you know how to come? I don't have the ability to read eyes. That's supposed to be like the crickets chirping in the background. Yeah. So whatever. Then we get a. Sh- then we get the cut in the Rob Dazar as he's killing the old cop and like. Almost yeah, this sexually. Was, yeah, this was yeah, this was fucked up because they break in, they like grab his wife and like disrobe her, ish. and like, fu- ish. like she doesn't get full on boob, they just but, like ripped her buttons. But then they, but then they, but then they slit her throat, stab him, leave, and then he and like the old man's he, like dying to death because yeah. he just got stabbed in the gut, and then, and then and then and then he dies clutching his dead wife's hand. I'm like. What the fuck? And then, then we cut to Joe and Jennifer now on the beach in bikinis at this beach side. This rental. is when I realized in my notes he looks like Tarzan in that Speedo. Yeah, in his banana hammock. Yeah. As they're making out, smashing face at like this little beach. Yes. Then goons appear at Frank's house and basically Frank just got out of the shower and basically they catch up to him and they're like threatening him. It's like, tell us where the samurai, oh tell my us God. the samurai's address or we're going to cut your gift. Your You're- black gift your big black <laughs> gift but like, basically what? he tells one guy to go look into a closet to go find something the goon is just like searching through the closet and then frank just grabs a freaking like scissor he stabs the goon takes his gun in, and shoots the other goon i'm just like so basically yeah frank outsmarts the goons yes in the nude in the nude yes back at the beach house rental there's face smashing in the pool and frank tra- and basically Frank is trying to call, like, Joe after being attacked, but Joe's like, you know, he's getting... Dude, he's getting his romance on. Yes. Now, we cut to Robert Dazar as he appears at Peggy's place, and basically, Peggy's trying to make a meal and stuff. And basically, at first, Peggy is able to fight off some goons, but then Robert Dazar subdues her, and basically, he has the goons, like, hold her down to the table, and he's sitting there just like, now tell me, where is your samurai friend? Where is he? And then he just grabs the hot crease that she was going to use to cook yes. whatever and then starts pouring it on her. I'm like, oh, that's fucking brutal. And then she's going, ah, ah, ah. Now tell me, where is your samurai friend? I don't know. I don't Psh- know. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, I'll tell. I'll tell. She, I'll give the actress credit. She actually did a decent job at sounding like she was in pain. I don't know, dude. It was just really weird because there's... Cause, there's these torture scenes happening juxtaposed with Jess- yeah, with no. Jennifer's nice ass, too. So, whatever. We got Peggy. Yeah, we basically... Peggy's getting, like... She's getting poor at grease. And right as she revealed Joe's location... Then we get a funny transition and Joe in a banana, ha- banana hammock with a cake singing happy birthday to Jennifer. Yeah, he sings her happy birthday. Like, Joe's off trying to get... Su- like, Joe's <laughs> off trying to seduce Jennifer and all his friends are getting murdered that's or attacked. I, that's what I was saying. He, this is how the scene goes. It cuts back. He sings happy birthday. 
And then they totally blown you guys. It was a very, very long scene. Yeah, this scene lasted a while. And I, and as I wrote here in my notes, my penis might have liked it if I didn't just see... Well, Jennifer's a babe, so... Well, yeah, my penis might have liked this more if I didn't just see, you know... If I didn't see two acts of sexual violence in a, ma- in a black man who almost got his dick cut off. Yeah, so Robert Dazar appears and basically... Frank is able to get a hold of Joe, and he tells him that they're coming, but then, like, Joe realizes, oh, they're here now. So Joe and Jennifer are able to make their escape while having a shootout around the house and stuff. And then, yeah, basically, Jennifer makes it home, and basically, she meets up with her mom, and her mom's like, I've been worried. Where have you been? Mr. Fujiyama said the whole birthday thing. And it's like, Jennifer's like, I don't care. I'm in love, mom. And then, Fujiyama appears in stoic fashion. Seriously, trying to say it and seeing it's totally different because there's these hilarious, like, random, like, edits of people showing up and then, like, to the add dramatic effect. It's just so hilarious. It's great. The, the audio in this movie is really bizarre. There's literally sometimes when people are talking on camera or supposed looks like they're making noise, but they didn't. I know there was no boom, but they didn't even overdub it. It's really blatant. Bruh, this, I can tell you right now, if there's one thing when watching this movie, it's like, dude, I wish I was watching it with my homeboy here. Oh, my if God. We literally could catch our reactions They when taking notes. Whatever. So basically, Frank and Joe get yelled at the captain, and basically, captain's like, "There's so many dead bodies and stuff. I'm losing my fucking job. I'm losing my goddamn pension." And then he turns around, you know, I don't give a fuck. Fuck these motherfuckers. Kill them. I want some. Fu- I want the. I want that Fujiyama dead. I want a bloodbath. Leave no, none alive. No man alive. And it's like. Damn. I'm not sure if that's proper police protocol. No. I'll this turn in my badge happen- tomorrow. This did not happen in Lethal Weapon. It's like, we'll turn in our badge tomorrow. But t- for today, let's go murder some people. <laughs> These are our heroes. No, that's literally the scene. That's literally the scene, everybody. Sorry, I'm just trying to adjust my shit. Whatever. So, yeah. Joe and Frank show up to Fujiyama's house, and basically there is a freaking shootout in the backyard. A hilarious shootout where we got this one man that looks like Refrigerator Perry holding a shotgun, just trying to shoot off, and then he gets shot, and he's just grabbing his boob in death. He just gets shot, and he's like, (laughs) But he gets shot like four times, so he makes it to the ground. <laughs> and stuff. So yeah, basically, and then like Joe and Frank get in the house, and now there's just a shootout in the house. They're just running through this what looks like a tiny house, just blasting away. This gunfight, and there's one more after this. This gunfight goes on for a fat minute, and then basically, yeah, Joe is able to find Fujiyama, but him, and Joe and Fujiyama have a standoff because Fujiyama has Jennifer hostage at gunpoint. And basically, Frank is, like, literally chilling in the stairs. Fujiyama doesn't see him, but then Frank announces his presence like an idiot. And basically, he t- and then basically Fujiyama just tells him, it's like, lower your guns. And I'll let her go. And basically, Frank and freaking Joe lower their guns. It's like, come on, let's do it. We're cops and stuff, whatever. And then basically, Fujiyama shoots Frank and, like, oh, my God, everyone. Frank is dead. He's totally dead, you guys. Swerve, you guys. He had a bulletproof vest, and he's able to shoot Fujiyama from the ground. Now, Fujiyama's dead. It was really funny, too, because Joe, I'm paraphrasing, but Joe's basically like, how'd you live? He's like, bulletproof vest. (laughs) It's just like, he just said it like it was this really obvious thing. Just 
Bulletproof vest. Whatever. <laughs> now it's time for the final boss. <laughs> yeah, Gerard the Completionist versus Urban Tarzan. Yeah, so basically, friggin', it's final boss time because, like, Robert Desar has Jennifer's mom in this villa. And basically, we get some sword geek that shows up that's like, Joe is about to have a friggin' fist fight with the sword geek, but then Frank just pops up and just shoots him. That That's the second time that happened. I didn't We didn't mention it, but that happened earlier in the movie, too. Where a sword guy showed up on Joe Samurai, and he's like, and then Frank was like, what, are you gonna fight him with your bare hands? And then, like, Joe did this like thing where he like signaled him, and then he just popped the guy. Franklin yeah. did. So yeah, basically, Robert Desar appears in a Suzuki Samurai, this freaking shitty like thousand dollar looking car. Yeah. And then basically, there's just a shootout at the villa. Joe's able to kill the redhead heavy, and basically, Joe and Joe and Robert Desar just have like a freaking two minute long shootout where they're just yeah. like ducking, shooting, <clears throat> ducking, shooting, ducking, shooting. I was disappointed that the redhead didn't get die with more of a fanfare. Like she went full nude for you, director. You can't at least give her a cool death. No, scene. she just kind of gets shot once and then just falls like off around yeah, the corner. Literally, she just pops up, shoots like three bullets, reloads, dead. Oof. So basically, yeah. After the shootout, basically it's kind of a standoff shootout. And then, like, friggin', like, Robert Zarr calls out Joe. So, Joe, they call you Samurai, do they? And then Frank basically adds to his body count as he kills another guy. Let me tell you something. Frank has the biggest body count out of everyone in this movie. He just, like, every time someone gets shot to death, it's usually by Frank. Is it? I didn't notice. I thought Joe had the bigger body count. No, dude, it's Frank. He had a way bigger body count. <laughs> like, if he had a bigger punch count, it was Joe. Well, yeah. A better body count by bullets, it's Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. I didn't well, even notice now that. it's time to where the title actually fits this movie, where there's a epic sped-up sword battle. Because since they had real swords, they had to, like, go real slow. So in editing, they just kind of sped things up. Yes. So there's a sword battle, then it turns into a fist fight. After and then at like then once friggin' Joe puts Robert Desar in his wrist lock of death, it turns into a, four, a sword fight again, then a fist fight again, and then with the wrist lock of death and the dragon sleeper, Joe's able to win the fight. And basically, Joe was about to slice Robert Desar's head, but then Frank tells him, "Joe, don't. You're Joe, a cop. don't. You're a cop. You're Joe, a cop. Don't. Joe, don't. You're a cop." And then he doesn't. He, it, it, it's like Joe's killed so many fucking people, <laughs> but this is like the one time. It's like, oh hey, maybe this guy's like he can finally like you know talk and Be- like because tell, uh, like- because fucking uh, Gerard the, from the Completionist is like you know the code of the Bushido. And no, Kill it's not Bushido. Me. It's like the code of the Bushido. Oh yeah, the Bushido. He's like trying to sound Japanese. Or, it's or cringy. Asian. Yeah. But then he doesn't do it. But then he like pulls out a knife and, and kills himself. And then, you know, like the fucking sixth boss uh, on the original Tenshu on the PS1, if you played it as, uh, if you played it as the girl and uh, no, 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 it's no, it's if you play it as the, if you play as Riki Maru, because it's like a weird thing. It's like the only time that matters. If you play Riki Maru on that level, the snow one. The dude, you convince the dude to commit honorable suicide. But if you play it as the girl whose name I don't remember, he he's a boss fight. 
Hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting cool thing. Yeah. So, whatever. Now we get it back to the beach with Jennifer and Joe. Yeah. And they're like freaking bikinis. And they recreate. They make out. And then it like it just points to a rock and waves. And the movie ends. Yeah. I wrote here they recreated the opening of Greece where it's two pretty people making out on a beach on some rocks. And yeah, that was Samurai Cop. And James, what did you think of Samurai Cop? Oh, I thought that, I thought this movie was going to be really bad, but it was really funny and entertaining. Or I guess if we wanted to be politically correct about it, Momofuku Police Officer. And obviously, yes, to people that know this movie with like very funny quotes where it's like, where Frank asks Joe, hey, what does katana mean? Oh, God. It means Japanese sword. It means Japanese sword. <laughs> or like the one thing, because Raz, they're entering like what, like... It was either, like, Fujiyama's, like, house or something. Like, Fujiyama's friggin' lair and stuff. Basically, like, Joe's able to, like, climb over a fence and stuff. But then Frank, like, crawls under it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, why'd you come under? Because I'm an undercover, undercover cop. cop. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. And then, yeah, no. Other, like, friggin', um... I'm trying to think of other, like... I just have this page with just quotes and stuff. Like, obviously, like, Peggy just going, like, what happened? Are you in or out? Baby, I'm always in. Are you Fu Fujiyama? Yes, <laughs> I am. Who are you? I'm a cop. Music stringer plays. <laughs> hey, have you been circumcised? Hey, have you been circumcised? Shut up. <laughs> right after that nurse scene and stuff. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, there's a fucking... I got a police... I got the captain thing right here. I should fire both of you. You never brought me one of those bastards in alive. So I so I can nail him with something. And because of you, I'm, I'm about to be fired. I'm going to lose my pension. That means my future is gone. But you know something? I don't give a fuck. There's one thing in this world I want... I want... I want you to find these motherfucking Japanese gangsters. I want you to kill him. And I want you to kill every one of his men. I want you to turn his house into a bloodbath. Don't leave anyone alive. Sorry. And when they're all dead, you can come back to me. And all three of us will turn our badges in and say goodbye to it. We'll be off the police force for good. Now you're talking. Alright, see you, Captain. See you in hell. Yeah, whatever. And good, damn, we were able to like hammer out this friggin' movie pretty quick. I feel like I thought Last Dragon went by quicker. So, well, we're, we're in an hour, dude. Last <laughs> Dragon ended up like an hour and twenty five. We're in an hour and eight really? minutes. Really, I felt like we were speed running. And here's that the one. thing, like, and like friggin' Last Dragon, we started sooner. We started later on this one. Huh? Yeah, we started like twenty one minutes till so we actually. Which movie do you prefer? If you say Samurai Cop, our fucking friendship is over. No, I'm kidding. But I will, I will chop. Well, I won't chop you because you chop harder. I'll chop Oscar. You're gonna say Samurai Cop. God damn you! I hate you. Of course you're gonna say Samurai Cop. Dude, this movie. Of course you were gonna say Samurai Cop. This movie was so fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was cracking up so much. I thought it was like, dude, this is gonna be a fuck. <laughs> This movie's gonna be a fucking chore to go through. And then I'm watching like this movie is not a chore. This movie's so fun. There's a point where I couldn't catch all the random like fucking quotable dialogue and shit. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. The dialogue's way more fun than quotable than Last Dragon. To I'm a, be fair, I'm gonna see the master. Can I speak to the master? To be fair, it's like, alright, you motherfuckers, in the name of America. <laughs> 
you, before you make your precious millions in your Who's Swiss Who's the master? Show no. To be fair, but listen, so but listen. Joe, they call you samurai. <laughs> listen, the the best lines, the every quotable line from Last Dragon, the best ones is just from Show Nuff. I mean, Show Nuff is only in the movie like what total fifteen twenty minutes, but he's like the best part of the movie. I don't know if this movie had like that best character. The whole movie was the show enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> About last... Yeah, but Samurai Cop? Fuck, dude. Here's the thing. It's like... Obviously, in like history, it's meant to be serious. But I feel like I'm just watching a whole parody skit. A Comedy like what, Central like what, like, parody skit in a whole movie. <laughs> and like all the jokes are hitting because it's so bad. But that's because it's like they try to take it seriously. And the hilarious stuff. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you doing? Hey, wait a minute. <clears throat> Ouchie. I swear he fucking said ouchie. Ow, fucking ow, ow. <laughs> ouchie. For a hill, I would kill why I do not know. That's right, baby. Keep it warm. But I wrote down overall a pretty funny movie. And, like, you know, I was pretty stoked that we, like, choose this. You are the last track. <laughs> I'm pissed. I'm, pi I'm not actually pissed, but it's like, of course you pick Samurai Cop. Cause like Last Dragon was like, <laughs> here's the thing. Did that shitty vanity song mean nothing to you? There's a lot of. Did well, Shonuff's hair? Okay, actually the soundtrack I prefer. I prefer the Sega Genesis soundtrack in this one. A yeah, little. cause that's your sh synth synth. It's not synth pop, but synth is your shit. Yeah. Get a keyboard. Start a synth band. Here's the thing. There's a lot of cringe in the Last Dragon that kind of eat away at me. There was a lot of cringe in this one. Yeah, but it was like so bad it's cringe. It like went past that point where it's like, okay, this is just hitting parody. But Last Dragon didn't take itself that yeah, but seriously. But like cringe was like obviously yeah, but it's not like a disgusted actor girl like, all right, you motherfuckers, <laughs> we're children of the United America States. I'm tired of you putting you drugs the, in the streets. Did you say the United America States? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you would get something like that in this movie. All right, food. Fujiyama, <laughs> you motherfucker. My name is Alfonso Rafael Sebastian. Sebastian. <laughs> Sebastian. Actually, I don't think you can even compare the two movies. Yeah, they're totally if different. You, yeah, they're way different. They're so different. One's like an actual like serious movie that's done pretty good for the most part. Yeah. And yeah, it's weird, campy, and silly, but like... This was like someone that was trying and failing, yes. but like made like that weird and magical, like what people like about The Room yeah. is basically this movie. And this I feel is like a better the, movie than The Room. This is a better have movie. Have you watched than, The Room? I have it. Of course I have. Yeah. So I'm just trying to feel like, because I feel like The Room, there's like the hilarious shit that's super quotable. And it's just weird and wacky. But I feel like those are just moments, and there's yeah. a lot of just dead space, just bad. Oh, no, there is. No there is. lifeless acting. When, when, if you see compilations like of this yeah. movie, was pretty consistent throughout. You mean it was consistently bad? <laughs> yes, it was consistently bad, but it was consistently entertaining. Dude, I'm telling you, the dialogue, the actors, I felt like I was watching... It felt like it was an hour-long build-up to a porno scene. I know, it's hilarious. Like, it had the shitty music, it had the shitty plot, it had the shitty dialogue. Like, literally, half the half the dialogue could have been a porn setup. You know, it's just like, I'll see you back at your place. See you back at your place. Or, or it's just like... So is it drugs? Yeah. Cocaine. Boom, 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 boom,
Yeah, it's one of those like mo- it's like one of those cult movies where it's like, oh, it's this weird hilarious. We were talking about the room, and it's similar vibes. There are two movies that took it's themselves the same thing. Com- that took themselves completely seriously. The director just, only made one movie, and it just turned into a bad mess. Samurai Cop isn't but nearly I feel like as Samurai famous. Samurai Cop though. was like a movie where it like got made. It might have been pressed out on VHS and got to some music. It was and got yeah. to some video stores, but literally. What happened with this movie is oh, like it was locked okay. away. What? Oh no, I was saying. Oh, you did research, okay? Because I did too, but I didn't know if you did. Yeah. yeah, basically, it's like I think it got pseudo released in the nineties, but it literally was locked away in a vault by some guy. And then one day, some guy just pulled it out. He put up some clips of it. It kind of got popular on YouTube, like these random clips. Yeah. And then he did a blue, li- a bl- an actual proper Blu-ray press, and it's got this weird cult following. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like the room where they try to like put it in theaters. This movie never made it to theaters. Yes. Uh, well, it was meant to be direct. A lot of these movies are direct to video, unless you can get them at some piece of shit 10 cent theater back in the day. Yeah, well, it's not like the exploitation films are like what? Yeah. Like the 1970s, like 60s, 70s, where literally the only way they could get those movies out in theaters were just random fucking. Basically, outlaw drive-ins where that would play that shit. Yes. And that's back when, like, drive-in theaters were, like, the sketchy thing for parents because, like, the kids could go see fucking boobs and shit. Yeah, boobs. Boobs and exploitation and gore and stuff. You shouldn't be seeing that, children. This movie's banned. (laughs) This movie's too edgy. There's gore and titties. Yeah, no, this I is, love this genre of film. I really do. Well, B movies and exploitation films. Well, we're gonna watch Samurai Cop two next. Also, to end off on the podcast, I am hit back again with the Slipknot album report by James. Well, you listen to Iowa? <laughs> Fuck it, why not? I guess we'll do it. But listen, listen, uh, listen. I told I told you this then. I'll tell you this now. I do like Slipknot. You could say I love Slipknot. But the first album is the only. I'm not. It's my favorite one, and I have a deep love for it. And I told you this. I don't give a shit what you think about the other ones. I mean, I have some love for for All Hope Is Gone in Volume Three because Volume Three has some good songs, just city production. But everything else, I'm like, whatever. So just you know, you don't have to worry about making me butt hurt if you hated it. Well, I could tell you this. If you tell me I was better, god damn it. Yes. Everyone fucking says that, and they're wrong! Bro! Well, no, no, no. Hold on. No, hold on. Let, let me, me no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Per- let me calm, let me woosah. Woosah. Because, you know, just, yes, I want to, I, I, I legit want to hear your I'm going to tell you, when you told, like, when someone tells me, I've had, like, you and two other geeks try to say that the first Slipknot album is, like, they prefer that, and it's the most thrashiest in quotations, or the most death metalist, I can tell you this. That first album was new metal through and through. Just faster. Like, literally, fu- like, if you want to just, it's fast new metal, <laughs> which is also sounds very cathartic, but it was fast <laughs> new metal. This one sounded like it was new metal, but it's like, you gotta think, there was hype bands like Lamb of God. So I'm gonna tell you this. To tell me it's like an a Slipknot album that has like thrash or death metal, this had like fifty percent of it was like ha- like the fucking thrash death metal wrist with but fucking Slipknot rap style whatever nonsense mm-hmm. and a Doom song to end off the album. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna tell you right now what people think is like, oh, dude, like first Slipknot album so thrashy. Well, like, whenever, no, whenever, the second one, I'll give it that. And you hear like death metal riffs yeah. and shit too. But since it, on it was Slipknot, too. but since it's Slipknot and stuff too, so it's like, okay. It literally just sounds like, hey, it's like there's a mix of new metal, but also mixed with bands that sound like Lamb of God and Killswitch Engage. Because it tried to went a mm-hmm. little bit more softer and popier, but there's also extreme metal riffs. That and like, literally that in... Slipknot's like a gateway band for a lot of those dudes, too. Slipknot so. came out, that uh, Iowa came out in like 2001, I believe. And I feel like listening to that in 2001, or maybe it was two, whatever. I feel like listening to that, you can really tell what they were listening to. But I feel like every t- when I listen to Slipknot's first two albums, I and only those two albums. I'm not saying I only listen to them, but I'm saying specifically when I listen to those two albums, I hear a lot of what some bands do to this day. I'm not going to say that they're like legacy groundbreaking band, but in a lot of ways they are. And I think a lot of yeah. bands have taken cues from them over the years. Well, here's the thing. Because well, Slip- not just new metal bands. Yeah. Groove metal. Well, here's the thing. Fucking the first Slipknot one was just fast groove new metal. It's like literally just sped up corn or shitty bands like Cold Chamber. It's like good songs. <laughs> you hate Cold Chamber. Oh, I will talk shit. Me loco. Yeah, but fuck. Me loco. <laughs> but at least Slipknot's Iowa fucking had a lot more like range. Well, okay, so when this is where they try to break away from playing with you loco, you loco. Okay, so what everyone always so the the, the common fan perception. Yeah, what's of, this common fan perception of the first four albums? The first four. Well, no. Be, well, well, yeah, because no, like I after only, the fourth album, there was a long ass hiatus. Well, right? yeah, Paul Gray died, and then they. Oh no, yeah, and then they've released two. And Joey albums. Jorison left too. Yeah, and there there's. I'm not saying their two new albums are bad, but basically to summarize, those first four albums are like an era right there. So when everyone talks about the first album, yes, they always say, "Oh, bro, so thrashy and stuff." But the thing, but the no, but the thing is, have you the listened thing to thrash? Is, the thing is, one thing that people hyper focus on with the old one, the first album, is. It's that it's you can feel the the, the the raw the anger the aggression. It's just when I listen to that album, yeah, I get they were stuck in, yeah, they were fucking stuck in Iowa. <laughs> when I listen to that album, I get hyped. When people talk about the second album, usually what everyone always says about it, it, it's a combo of two things. One, some people are like, oh, it's the first album, but harder. But everyone says that Iowa's their most brutal album. Brutal in the sense of just themes, atmosphere atmosphere intensity and lyrics some death metal riffs the third one the third one most people kind of forget about but they're just like eh, it could have been good but bad production um but that that one got a little it's sort of more of the same it's more of an equal blend between the first two albums but then when he gets all hope is gone everyone's opinion on that is because it's the one that got them psychosocial and stuff and sulfur and snuff so everyone was like oh yeah all hope is gone yeah that was just Corey Taylor channeling Stone Sour. Which is, yeah. Well, I'll be back with fucking the third album for the James up? Slipknot report. You're straight up just going to listen to volume three? I might as well at this point. <laughs> I went with two. I might as well go through each Slipknot album and then tell you if I like it compared to the fir- first one. Okay. As I said, first one, if you want you know that. What? Maybe- here's the thing. First one, if you like that style and you want that like more energetic angstiness. I love angstiness, that record. I wish I could rip off that album note for well, note. Then go fucking do 
it. They're good music. They're good musicians. They play fast and do tricky yeah, chords and shit. That's the second album. They were able to flex their musicianship more. Yeah. And start playing different riffs. Like the first album was like a lot of the same riff like throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll agree. If with you want a Yoko. I, listen, I, listen. I know, and I'm really not trying to like disassociate them with new metal because they have their roots in it, and it's not that I hate Bro, new metal. First album but I like just, the biggest, I so feel new metal. like calling their first album only new metal is just it doesn't sit right with me. Like, yes, it's part of it, but saying, oh yeah, it's just a new metal album. Like, if you were just talking to someone that like super cares about genre labeling. I, I feel like that that would turn people off to it because, well, new metal is a contentious genre anyway. It just doesn't feel like that's why people say that's why people always play up the thrashy, deathy bit yeah, because but, of the fact that the new metal label is tainted. And if you tell someone, "Oh, it's a great new metal album," that's going to turn off a lot of people because, um, ex- except most people's exception, which is Corn and maybe Static X once in a while, people, most people, not most people, but a lot of people hate the new metal sound. So if you, t- so if I had told you. You, the first album was oh yeah it's a new metal classic you never would have given it a shot oh definitely not so you see but you lied to me no and no that's no, an no, offense. no i said it has thrashy and death elements in there yeah but that's the second record that has thrashy and death metal elements that <laughs> what you were trying to sell I me. I didn't lie to you. I didn't. No, you lied to me about the first one. And no, there was no one lie, song that lying had. to you as if I would have told you it's a thrash metal record or it's a death metal record. I said it has thrashy death elements. Did not, but like not compared can, to the second can, one. You the second one that. had that fucking. Statement. You can hear them in some of the new metal. You can hear death thrash Maybe stuff in the new metal songs. You need to go through Slipknot's discography again. I have. Well, not in recent. I've listened to them since I've listened to them consistently since 2012. Which yeah, it's a late bloomer. Which I guess my Slipknot story. The first time we went to Mayhem, you know, I heard Psychosocial, right? And before I forget, because of Guitar Hero, I'm like, yeah, they're all right songs, but you know, whatever. But we saw them live. They were the headliner that year, and I was just fucking blown the fuck away. I was like, what the fuck? So after the long-ass drive home, next day I threw on Slipknot's first set, or first record, and I was just like, oh, where have you been all my life? So yeah, that's, no, that's my Slipknot thing. story. In 2020, Slipknot's like this I wouldn't big call myself old- a maggot, but I'm a fan. Here's the thing. In 2020, Slipknot is like the legacy band. They are a legacy band but at this point, yes. But when we were a fucking yes. teenager, asshole teenagers... Oh, we were there for the for their peak. Yeah, no. When we were asshole teenagers, this was like a fucking poser band. People did... I never believed that, but people did say that, yes. Yeah, dude. When we were fucking a- asshole teenagers... That was a fucking poser van. <laughs> so I still have that mentality that, like, Slipknot's is fucking poser I was poser trying band. to help you break away yeah, from that. Yeah, but, like, now Slipknot's, like, a legacy act, so it's, like, it's pretty cathartic to call him a poser van. <laughs> but, like, to me, it's, like, when I remember, it's, like, dude, they were a fucking poser van. But since they're so... You tried to like, say... You everyone, <laughs> fuck. Every geeky metalhead, like, Slipknot's, like, you know what? I'm done with metal. <laughs> I'm gonna go listen to fucking shitty 90s hardcore. Did Slipknot make you give up on metal for a while? No, life made me give up on metal. Okay. I mean, metal's still good. Yeah, but, like, really great metal comes from hardcore in the punk scene. Meh, sometimes. Dude, Power Trip came from the (laughs) fucking hardcore scene. And they became, like, a huge metal band. Yeah, they did. And I'm just saying, it's like, oh, wow, Power Trip's so great. Yeah, because they didn't fucking come from the metal scene. 
nails too i mean todd jones always yeah uh, there, well, there's that footage you get that, a, uh, you there's know, that footage i always make fun of todd jones You're like oh no we've gotten a lot <clears throat> i know we've gotten a lot of exposure from the metal whatever they see but nails is a fucking hardcore band i'm like you're a fucking metal band now be quiet i know it's hilarious but no the best is like at this you is will hardcore. never be one of us is a metal album as far as i'm concerned yeah but it's like yeah, I just remember the hilarious. I remember this hilarious one because I was actually watching live nails footage the other day because it just kind of popped up and I was just watching it and stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember it was fucking hilarious because it's back in like twenty like what was it like twenty fourteen and like nails was get it was like twenty fifteen. Nails was getting pretty hyped and stuff. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. I don't know if like the third record came out yet, but it's pretty hilarious because he's yelling, "This is hardcore!" It's like we are fucking nails. For fucking California, and we fucking slam. And this song is made for fucking slam dancing. So I want you fuckers to slam. I miss his old singing voice where it sounded like he was balls. He was was like, Crow Wolf, the sky. We had no fucking shot. Bow, bow. Now he's just like, You will never be one. It's like he, he got generic. <laughs> well, no, because think about it. He 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 used to have that like comb over style too. Yeah. But then he like buzzed his head, started wearing a leather jacket, and a giant he turned into neck. a fucking metal guy. He he used to just show up jeans and t shirt with his little comb over and be like, "What fuck are those?" You know, like old school code orange. And then after fucking um after the third record, you know the the red one or whatever, then buzzes his head. Leather jacket goes from we are fucking nails to we are fucking nails. We are fucking nails. Nails is a metal band fucking now. Slam. Nails is a metal band now, and I'm refusing. He even added a third, a, a second guitarist. How can you be a hardcore band with two guitarists? You can. Okay, I'm How can you be a real punk band with two guitarists? Uh, Name one your two original actual member, punk band. Your two original members left this year, and he's got new peeps, supposedly. Buzzcocks, Bad Brains, uh, fucking, um, fucking uh, Sex Pistols. All The best punk bands only have one guitarist. Chromax. Guttermouth. Chromax. Pennywise. No, Guttermouth had two guitar flares. No, they only had one. They had two. DRI. That's one. There you go. Chromax had two. Social Distortion only had one guitarist that mattered. Their old That's one. That's two. <laughs> nah, no, but it was their lead guitarist. Yeah, whatever. Two guitar players, one guitar How player. How come Suicidal Tendencies never made skate punk again after that first album? Like, that first album's so just, aw. Uh. That's not skate punk. Skate punk's no effects. Well, that's... Well, that's, well, that's what? Which is basically <laughs> pop punk. Yo, skate punk is literally just, like... 90s pop punk. Don't say that. I've had people come in the last few days buying, this is such a throwback, buying Juice and Thrasher magazine. Old school. <laughs> no, dude. Fucking weird. Well, I don't know if they're skaters or fucking... Well, dude, Thrasher... Well, they were, they dude, were dressed like it. Well, Thrasher fucking became a freaking fashion brand like these days. Yeah, like fucking metal militia. Whatever. So friggin' what the fuck was I? Yeah, I'm just telling you, skate punk was basically pop punk before pop punk became a fucking global phenomenon. Bef- before Green Day changed the game. Yeah, I'm just saying, skate punk like no effects, low no no effects is really melodic and stuff too. Oh, no effects, yeah, 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 for sure. Better not to get skate punk. Suicidal tendencies, you could say, is more hardcore. But the skaters like them. That's why I call yeah, them skater punk. Yeah, because they're fucking like. From skate culture. That band yeah. is skate culture. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see Mike Muir fucking rip it up on a deck. Well, 
Maybe go find footage. <laughs> All right, we were fucking long-winded. Let's fucking wrap this up. If you're gonna listen, unless you want to talk about fucking more nails and stuff. No, I was just gonna say if you're gonna listen to Volume Three of Slipknot, you know what? Next time I'm gonna listen to Vanity's second album because I listened to it the first one when we reviewed Last Dragon. Well, listeners, this is the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show with your host James and Edward. All right, have a good one. Adios.